All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy. I'm a writer, and I didn't do much, really. <laughs> I'm Mary. I'm a digital marketer. And if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anyone else? Can I get an amen? No. That's at the end of every episode of Drag Race. Well, and I've been watching a lot. Disagree. <laughs> RuPaul doesn't lie. I hope you can hear the face I just made at Mary, because it was a face, a sour face. You should love yourself. I agree that you should love yourself, but let me tell you, I did not spend most of my life loving myself. The best thing is the show doesn't have anything to do about loving other people. It has, <laughs> like, it's not, it's just this thing that's said, like, it isn't like, oh, we're going to learn to love ourselves so we can love each other. It's just a cutthroat <laughs> show. <laughs> Uh, well, you can go first because right. you've done a lot more than me. Yeah, I watched uh, Drag Race season six, seven, eight, and nine. Um, I was like, one of our friends was like, "You need to watch it because I know you'll like it," and I knew I would like it. And finally, I, like, I just needed something that I could put on, like, as I'm like getting ready for bed and like get into bed and you know that kind of stuff. And I watched it, and guess what? It's really good. <laughs> um, uh, if you like game shows. Or if you like chat, like where they have to do challenges and like, or if you like, um, the uh, Project Runway or, um, America's Next Top Model, specifically those two, you will like this show. Typically you start with, I tell you some weird thing that rarely has, barely has anything to do with about what you're about to do. And then they have mini challenges. So things like dress up these puppets that look like your, co- your co-stars. <laughs> And do impressions of them. And they're, like, really funny. And, like, dress them up in drag, too. And then they have the maxi challenges, which are anything from... They have one, which is my favorite one, is... um, Fuck. I just had it in my head. Where they impersonate... It's match game, but it's not called match game. I don't know anything. Anyways, they impersonate celebrities, and it's typically really funny, and some of them are really bad. Um, One of them, the best one I ever saw was in season six, and they did... um, Maggie Rogers from Downton Abbey. <laughs> and RuPaul was like, how are you going to make this funny? And literally, they made it so fucking funny. <laughs> it was very good. Uh, the show's really good. I, it was, it's, it's interesting to watch because there is like, right now, there's a lot going on, obviously, with like drag and people are just being fucking awful. And it's kind of sad because as you watch a year by year, there's more of like a hopefulness that they're being accepted. Mm-hmm. And I know where it's going. And that sucks. But it is also like really nice to see, like, I wish everybody would watch this show because it's so nice to see them just having fun. And like, you realize they're not anything but performers. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- man, there she are performers. <laughs> they're so good. They do like fashion. Um, shows and like have to run out, go down the runway and different themed, um, different themed challenges. Um, and then the two people at the bottom have to lip sync for their life and they lip sync to different songs. Um, and it's really fun. It's a really good time. Uh, I, I whipped through all of them. I'm currently watching the first All Stars and I'm going to get, so if you want to watch it, Half of it is on Hulu and half of it is on Paramount Plus, which if you have Amazon, you can get it through there as well. And then part, I, I don't know if any all stars are on Paramount Plus, but there are all stars on Hulu. So I'm going, I'll go through all stars one and two and then I'll start watching season 10, 11, 12. I'm just going to go back. So I know everybody who's there. Um, all stars is fine so far. But anyways, it was good. I liked it. The f- sixth season was the best season. I looked up. I'm like, I don't want to start at the first season and have it be like really slow. Like, cause they have, I've like, heard the show has really progressed to yeah. in terms of like not allowing trans women yes. to perform. So one of the things that I didn't like, and I talked to my friend about this was there was one ca- one person on there named Milk and she was weird. Like at one point she came in like a beard. And I loved it. It was so fucking weird. And like the whole, the whole thing was like gender bending and things like that. And it was interesting. They always look good. And one of the judges, Michelle Visage was like, 
if you wear pants, I don't like it because you look too masculine. I don't like that you're wearing a beard because you look too masculine. And I didn't like that because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the, I, I don't know. I didn't like it. I don't know much about drag, but I know that, like, weird is cool. Um, but as you go, it gets much more progressive. Well, and like, they finally did have somebody who was open as a trans woman. The The idea of looking too masculine is itself, like, a form of, like, bio, not necessarily bioessentialism, but, like, rigid gender boundaries. Yeah. The I, I also, I don't know much about drag, but the one time I have seen drag performers was actually at the chapel rowan show and one of the performers had a beard and looked incredible yeah like she did it she did an amazing job like i think they really it, tried her, her ability was not tied to what was on her face yeah i think they really tried to separate themselves particularly from how it used to be when they did um drag with beards yeah episode. um because I, it just it progressed right mm-hmm. it progressed from where it was and um there's very much especially in the beginning of the show like old guard versus new guard people who've been doing drag for 20 years and yeah. then people who are like in their early 20s and there is a clear difference between the two like typically the younger people don't know how to sew and the they don't know like the history of drag and like the older people are like so entrenched in like this was their life and like it not that it's not like important to the younger crowd, but it meant it means something very different. It was more political for them, I guess you right. could say. And so it's really interesting to see that. Um, and I thought I think that's that's really fun to watch and seeing just the differences between generations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like it. It's fun. I wouldn't call it wholesome, but I would call it drag wholesome. I guess <laughs> it's just sometimes like they're they're catty and bitchy, but there's also like moments where they're like crying together and mm-hmm. just. It, there's one of the best my favorite ones was um kimchi and like it was really sad because kimchi's mom had never seen them dressed as drag and like all these different like emotional things and like one of them their parent was so so supportive and it was just like people were getting emotional seeing how like supportive his dad was so yeah it's it's fun and good i like it nice also it's just grandiose <laughs> and crazy um, I read A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin. It's now been like three weeks since I read this. So, um, A Wizard of Earthsea rules, first of all. Um, when you read this book, it's sort of like the fantasy from which fantasy springs. Hmm. Um, it's very much a response to popular fantasy of its time, which if I remember correctly was the late sixties because fantasy was primarily about white men. And Ursula K. Le Guin made the very deliberate choice to have her protagonist be a man of color. But Mm -hmm. I believe specifically a black man, but it takes place in a different world from ours. So he's not identified that Mm -hmm. way. And it's not revealed until halfway through the book um, because he's in a setting primarily where he is the norm. So there's no reason to address what color his skin is because everybody else looks the same Mm -hmm. it's not until he ventures outside of that space and encounters like what we would consider white people that Mm -hmm. they start responding to his skin color and he starts responding to theirs um the story takes place in this world where um this character goes to like a school to become a wizard um as you do as you do it is based heavily on the idea this is like i think where this kind of idea really came from in fantasy the idea of having a true name that if you know something's true name you are able to hmm. like manipulate it through magic like in tithe the tithe where she has to know yeah Roy yeah 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 that kind of thing um this like i think if you read this today it feels very like oh this is a fantasy book but for its time period like this was unprecedented hmm. um the character in this book at one point gets I think dared to do some kind of ritual to bring somebody back from the dead or like to summon a ghost essentially and fucks it up to some degree and then is haunted by a shadow that he is both trying to outrun and defeat um and like overall it's just really good this is only the second like Ursula Le Guin novel I've ever read I've read a bit of her short fiction and lots of her criticism and then also the left hand of darkness um, which I want to reread because I barely remember anything about it. And I think it was a little, it was a little out of my league at the time when I read it. Like, I don't think I was ready for the left hand of darkness. So I'm excited to reread it. Um, but a withered, a withered, <laughs> a wizard of earth sea is really good. If you want to see where like 
modern fantasy comes from, this is a great one. Like it's very much in conversation with something like Lord of the Rings, but it's very deliberately pushing back on some of the factors that make Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings. Um, and Ursula K. Le Guin is just like a solid ass writer. Like it just, there's a, like a cleanliness, I guess, to her prose that is just like, this is like, this is a high standard <laughs> for, for what this should look like. Like, I feel like sometimes this should be the baseline, which sounds like I'm like saying she's not a good writer, but like, we shall strive for the best. It's like perfect. Like what she, like her, her sentences and stuff are so clear and effective and just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. If you've, if you've read it, you know, like it's just at a sentence level, at a story level, it's just like a perfect 10 all around in terms of her execution. Um, so if you like fantasy, if you like the kind of like quest novel idea, uh, this is definitely a solid read. I haven't read the rest of the series yet. Um, although I did have a person at the bookstore, like enthusiastically tell me more about it. Unfortunately, I could not hear him as he was wearing a mask and was behind a piece of plastic. So I could only nod along with his enthusiasm. <laughs> um, but I did pick up the second book in the series and I'll read that in approximately 3.5 years. Um, but yeah, Wizard of Earthsea, good ass fantasy. Like when you think, when you imagine a fantasy novel, and you're not imagining a specific one, what you don't know is that you're imagining a Wizard of Earthsea. <laughs> it, is, it is the spring from which fantasy the comes. The platonic version? Yeah. like It's just like you read it and you're like, oh, this is a good version of all of those stories. Like, It's a good version of the man becomes a wizard story. Yeah. It's a good version of the quest story. It's the good version of the dark mirror story. Like, it, like this is it. This is the one. <laughs> This is the standard which which everyone should strive. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good if you like that kind of novel. Now, the quest, the like kind of medieval fantasy quest novel is not my favorite genre. Um, but I think that's why as I was reading it, I was like, this is the perfect example of what this is. I like it didn't. It's not my favorite book or anything, but like reading it, I'm like, yeah, this is what it is. This is the the well from which. Um, the young Merlin series, which I loved as a, as a middle schooler and an elementary schooler. This is the well from which the young Merlin springs. Also, you know, like Celtic fantasy, but whatever, and Arthurian literature, but you get me. Um, like that, the, like it's in that lineage and it's just so effectively done. If you haven't read Withers Wizard of Earthsea and any of that sounds intriguing to you, it's worth checking out. I really liked it. Really, really effective book. Ursula K. Le Guin rules. Um, Misty and I both did this. We don't have too much to say, but that's still good. We did a whole episode on this Midsommar. One. We watched Midsommar for, um, the first day of summer. The summer, summer solstice. solstice. And, um, it's just, we're still really good. It, I yeah. had a journey with this movie. I didn't like it at first. Watched it again. I'm like, oh, this is good. And then I watched it again. I'm like, no, this is really good. And then we watched it this time. And I was like, I've noticed. We've literally done a whole episode on it. And I'm still noticing more and more yeah. things. Totally forgot it was a white supremacist movie to about halfway through. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah. That makes it sound like it's a movie in favor of white supremacism. No, it's not. And it's a really good one because... um if somebody were to do their research, they may have to uh, evaluate how they felt about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this comes up time and time again with yeah. this movie. With pe it <laughs> People put it, the witch, Jennifer's body, and there's another one. They put them all together and say, Women what is empowerment. it? The good, the, the good for her cinematic universe. Yeah. And it's like, oof, what do you, like, you could, you could make, uh, and we did an episode on the witch too, where I kind of poked holes in so this. Good. Um, the idea of the good for her cinematic universe. Um, actually, Jennifer's body too. All three of those <laughs> are the good for her cinematic universe where I'm just like, eh. I are think you sure? I think it's most obvious in Midsommar because she doesn't look happy. Like She does at first. I guess, yeah. She ends the movie smiling. I guess that's true, but it just definitely feels like a... I think that's what throws people off yeah. is the fact that she ends the movie smiling. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Um, I suggest that you watch it as long as you're not squeamish of blood, I guess. There's, there's not a ton, but there's some graphic. When the gore happens, it is it's visceral. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really well executed movie. I, we've been w watching a lot of movies 
lately. <laughs> you always watch a lot of movies. That's true. But we've been watching, like, we've been watching a lot of horror lately. We've been showing our roommate some... My cousin. Mary's cousin. Uh, we've... <laughs> We've been showing them some horror movies that they haven't seen before. So we've watched Hereditary. We've watched The Wicker Man, The Shining, okay. uh, Midsommar. I feel like I'm missing one. You are. I don't have much else to say. It's a good movie. So yeah, I've been watching a lot of horror movies lately. And uh, I like horror movies. Yeah, horror movies are good. I wish I wasn't so scared of so many of them. Once I've seen them, I can make it through. Yeah, that's fair. It's that first watch. You really need to watch the new A24 one with the hand so you can tell me if I can watch with it. With the hand? The, do you have, the... It's just the hand? I don't know if I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, well, we'll watch the trailer and then, okay. and then you'll know. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, point. Midsommar, it's still good. Oh, I think I was saying I, I appreciate how layered Ari Aster's movies are. Yeah. I appreciate how much... Apart. Forever. How much detail goes into like the set design and these like elements that I never picked up on because it doesn't draw our attention to them. Mm-hmm. So you really are rewarded for multiple watches and yeah. like paying very sharp attention. I can see why his movies don't work for everybody, mm-hmm. um, especially because they don't they can be like I think Hereditary is the most traditionally scary in terms of like the last, yeah. you know, 20 minutes or whatever. Um, but. I can see why, like, they don't necessarily always work for horror fans, especially fans of, like, particular kinds of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't for the last 20 minutes being so fucking scary, I would recommend Hereditary as, like, an entry horror movie for you a lot of people. You could just have someone do what, the, what Missy did for me of, like, you watch it, you watch it, and then you turn around when it turns scary and they just tell you what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> once you, like, once you get through it the first time, it's not bad anymore. And I say that because I got really freaked out the first it, time I watched it. I will it. say, I know it's really scary because when my husband watched it, he was like, that was fucked up. And my <laughs> husband, his favorite movie is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he almost like exclusively watches horror movies and police procedural shows. Yeah. And he's not afraid of anything. Like, I've never had a situation with him where he's like, oh, I'm a little freaked out ever. Yeah. And for him to be like, that's fucked up. Well, I think the thing that Ari Aster excels at in both Hereditary and Midsommar is that it's not what you're seeing that's fucked up. It's what you're feeling while yeah. you're watching it. It 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 goes into very psychologically and emotionally dark places. And I think that's what makes it effective horror rather than what you're seeing on the screen. I will say that Ari Aster has a... Um, problem in both of his movies that I've seen, I've not seen Bo is Afraid, but Midsommar and Hereditary both have a really serious ableism problem Mm -hmm. that I think we talked about in our Midsommar episode, um, which is like my biggest sticking, like, dude, I know ableism is often part of horror. Like, just the history of horror is rife with ableism, whether it's like, you know, I mean, Leatherface, psycho killers, Fuck, I don't even know. Just like, there's just like horror, I think, has a big history of ableism. And I guess Ari Aster is working in that tradition. But so much about his movies is so, are so, so much about his movies are, is, anyway, grammar. Um, they're so interesting on other levels that, like, the, God, the ableism sticks out. Yeah. Also, like, in the beginning of Midsommar with, like, bipolar, like, I don't think it's very common for bipolar people to take other people's lives. Yeah. Like, I'm almost positive that's not something that's really common. Um, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I mean, just like, the thing, the thing that gets me, I think, about the opening to Midsommar. It's really good. It's really good, but like, I want to know more. I want to know why she felt that way, why she felt that was necessary. Yeah. You know, I want to dive into that a little deeper, but it's really just there to further Danny's journey. Yeah. It, in the story, does it really matter? You don't really need to know, but it is interesting. Like, why does, why did her sister feel that that was necessary? Because she did. She did, and she did it in a way to make sure that no one suffered. Yeah, and I just want to know, like, why? Like, what was she feeling? Because it, it, that's, I think that's what really makes it feel ableist for me is the fact that, like, sh- that her being bipolar is just to further Danny's journey. Why yeah. make it bipolar? Well, she was definitely in psychosis. So yeah, she, yeah, she could have yeah, thought sure. anything was happening. Yeah. Um, I just, I just know that it's not common. 
right. or anything for like bipolar people to take other people's lives. Yeah. And I just like that's why I want to know like yeah. what was she experiencing that she thought that that was necessary and why is she bipolar in the movie as and opposed I don't, to something else? I don't think there's an answer. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think I don't, he has an answer. I don't think there's and that's, an answer. That's to me is why it feels so ableist is yeah. because it feels like it's only there like yeah. oh this is a possible explanation for what she's feeling especially since when people go like like people are seeming like what you a normal person would say oh you're crazy it's oftentimes people are like you're just so bipolar right so it seems like an easy thing to like shove in there yeah and like what multiple things that you could have done all of them probably would have been bad like what is she feeling there is she feeling mania is she feeling like psych- psychotic She's depression full s- psychosis mania i think you think so i think i in, if you're in depression you're probably not doing that full expo full transparency i am bipolar so i'm not just speaking out of right my ass. right um i don't think i don't think she's in depression I I think it's because she's not like from from what I see psychotic depression exists as well. Yeah. But from what I see, it seems more of paranoia of like something mm-hmm. is happening that I need to like I'm saving yeah, them. I can see that. And it's not like I'm a burden, which is often what happens. Right. And that I don't know, like the depression doesn't really I would have to I would have to know. Right. And but, the thing is, I don't think there is an yeah. there's not an answer here. It feels like bipolar was a word to describe the phenomenon the f- this fake phenomenon yeah. bipolar was a word to apply to explain this phenomenon without any more depth to it than yeah. that and we're not even touching on the the um the oracle it situation it's more a situation in which you have psychosis and postpartum yeah that's what it seemed more like um but it just it's definitely from like her emails it was definitely felt like um paranoia psychosis mm-hmm. But that that can be depressive too. I don't, sure. I don't less so. I don't know enough about bipolar to say that. But like psychotic depression exists, yes. and depression with delusions. Yes. Um. But I, I, the thing is, I just don't think it was that deep in no, the movie. Like, wasn't. I don't think that there was any depth beyond this is the event that needs to transpire. How do we explain this event? We'll use bipolar. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of paranoia. It would have been easier if they just didn't say anything. Yeah, honestly. That would have been better. Yeah. Because you could have just put anything in there yourself. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that they were trying to maybe suggest something about Danny through giving it a name. But I don't know. But they don't really run with that. Well, they don't run with it. But I'm wondering if they're they're thinking bipolar in connection with the extreme, the extremes of the movie, the extremes of light and dark, the Mm. extremes of happiness and despair. Death and all being alive. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering if they were using bipolar to sort of gesture toward the other extremes. Yeah, she is very paranoid, but she has every right to be paranoid about it. Yeah. Well, I don't even necessarily mean that they're suggesting that Danny is bipolar so much as they're using bipolar to gesture towards the other thematic extremes of the movie. That seems dumb. (laughs) It is, because that's not (laughs) exactly what that is. That's not what bipolar is. Um, Bipolar is not up and down, Mm -hmm. Um, it's not black and white. but yes, we talked a lot about this, and it, I think it is um, uh, uh, not a failure, but a weakness. Yeah. Because it's mostly... It's t- lazy. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Yeah. that th- Those scenes are really, like, hard to watch. These movies are... Ari Aster's movies are very intricate in how they're designed. And so the ableism in them really sticks out to me as laziness. Like, it's it's used as shorthand to accomplish something else. Um and I find that really frustrating because, again, these movies are very intricately plotted. They're very intri- intricately designed. The sets, the costumes, the acting, all these kinds of things are very, like, well-developed. And then you have these real moments of ableism that read as laziness. Like, bipolar summons up images that have v- or, like, themes that have very little to do with the truth of bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And that's just shorthand for how can we, you know... How can we show that this person's crazy? They should have just... Yeah, honestly, I think it would have been better if they said nothing. Overall, like I, like I said... It's a great I, movie. I really, really like Midsommar. We did a whole episode on it. But it is that... So frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's really, yeah, really it's frustrating. Disappointing. I really want to know what my thing I wanted to know. I looked it up. I couldn't find it. What are Ari Aster's favorite shitty movies? <laughs> like, I'm sure he'd have some like, there are no shitty movies. But like, like so let's tear that down. What are your favorite shitty movies? Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone knows. Ari Aster, if you're listening, I want to know. I want to know what your favorite <laughs> shitty movies are. After we just talked about how ableist your yeah, movies I, are. Well, <laughs> maybe, 
maybe it'll shed some light. There's yeah. so much ableism in horror, so it's, it's really true. not that yeah. surprising because uh, he's clearly a horror fan. Yeah, obviously. Um, so it's not super surprising. There's so much ableism in horror. Yeah, it's rough uh, out there. It's rough out there. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, go watch it. Um, I read Lily's Volume Four, Spider Lily, which is edited by Schneck and Apollotti. And this is an anthology series. This is volume four, uh, an anthology series of romance comics. And apparently this no longer exists. And I'm really bummed about it because it was really good. It's just an anthology of different romance comics on a theme. Um, I picked this up at Emerald City Comic Con last year. Um, because one of the artists I was buying zines from had it at their table because they had a comic in it. And it was great. Um, I love a comics anthology. I love an anthology. Yeah, you love an anthology. I love an anthology. I love to see different takes on a single theme. Also, I'm in an anthology that comes out today as we're recording. Oh, really? Called Violent Delights in Midsummer Dreams, good. which... Well, Missy's story is good. I can put in the show notes if you want to check it out. I have a, a retelling of The Last Act of Hamlet. Um... But yeah, if you want to hear a good for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is the good for her cinematic Last universe. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Lily's volume four was really good. I'm really disappointed that this anthology series might be over forever because I really liked it and I want to get the other volumes that I didn't pick up. Oh, you started with four. Yeah, I started with four because I was like, well, I got to read the horror volume. Yeah. Like, I got to read that horror romance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um so yeah i'm i'm bummed that i don't think there's going to be any more of them but um it was enjoyable if you like a an anthology if you happen to see it out in the wild you should pick it up um next one i have missy and i both did we watched um we went to the movie theater we went to the movies movies, and we watched across the spider-verse and guess what it was fucking good it was good (laughs) it was fucking good and uh as you'll find with the the next one i have um twice in a couple days i got hit with that spoilers uh oh this is the part one <laughs> and then it was like oh i looked up I'm like oh the next one's supposed to come out next year and then like literally like this yesterday week, yeah it was like oh the the artists are being basically slave labor yeah and everyone's like please push it back we're all okay with you pushing it fucking back yeah i am i waited this long for this movie i'm totally okay with waiting two three four years for the next one yeah because they're so good i can just rewatch the first two they're so good they lost over a hundred writers oh god or animators a hundred they're working like 70 to 80 hour a week like that's just that's not right and and i nobody wants that i was reading some more about it and it was i guess a lot of the issues is that the higher up producers are watch like looking at things they've already done and then changing them so yeah i can't remember this is the series is directed by phil lord and chris miller and i can't remember which directors i think it's phil i think you're right i can't remember which is which but one of them is very hand hands off and the other one is very hands-on but only late in the development process yeah i think it's phil that's I think it's. I really feel like it. I saw. I think you're right, but I don't want to say. And then there was another person too that made some bad comment. Yeah. So what's happening is that whichever one of the directors it is, is um, doesn't want to edit or look at things that haven't been fully animated. So you know the animators will go through the whole process of animating, and then turn it in, and the director will be like, "Okay, I hate that. You have to do it again." like making them do work over and over and over and, and over again. You can't just like run the scene again. Yeah, you exactly. To it has to be fully reanimated. <laughs> it's like building a scene again. Yeah. If you had to build the whole scene again from scratch right. each time. Yeah. So they the the animators on this movie have been like horribly treated, which is ridiculous. They like Sony like had to we didn't even talk about like what the movie's about. <laughs> but Sony uh it's about Spider-Man. Um <laughs> Sony like patented Spider Men. Yeah, Spider Spider Folks. Spider Folks, yes, that's good. Anyway. They're working them to the bone. Yeah, it, the it's Spider Bone. It's really it's really frustrating. That it doesn't have to be oh, I remember what I was gonna say. Sony literally like patented a new form of animation mm-hmm. for this. They can fucking invest in their workers, right? They can take a little time. They can, you know, th- this movie wouldn't be as good a- as it is without these animators. That's like, what makes this movie wonderful. The yeah. story is good, but the animation really 
there's nothing pushes the story forward. Literally nothing else like it. Yeah. So treat the fucking animators fairly. It's infuriating. I can't remember who it was, but one of them, I think she said something like, the beauty about animation is you can change it, and like, that's animation, baby. Like, I think that might have actually been her quote. Like, (laughs) she said something like, welcome to animation, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that, like, that's this, there's this disconnect with like, older people, and this new people, people who are going into the workforce now, of like, a lot of times people who've been in the workforce for a long time, that's just how it is. And then people coming into the workforce saying, but why? Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Why have you, it's, it's like that because you let it. And I, and I'm very happy that this is changing. I was watching something and it was someone who, oh, it was this one person I follow. She gives updates on the writer's strike and she was saying there was some report done that there's more strikes happening now than like in the past like 30 years or mm-hmm. something right now. So many places are striking because of this mentality. Mm-hmm. And you know what? good yeah <laughs> the the people at the top don't deserve the money they have no they don't in no world there's nobody who worked hard enough to make that much money yeah so there's no one maybe Zero. the animators of across the spider-verse yeah <laughs> like they should be the get taken in the big bucks yeah it's just it's infuriating there's like i don't know maybe there's one freak out there who's like actually it's good because i wanted to see across the spider-verse in 2023 but for the most part, the majority of people who enjoyed this franchise are not like I have like I would rather see something that costs people's lives and livelihoods to make. Yeah. It's a movie about superheroes. Like I'm it's sure not that fucking intense, you know? I'm sure there's more people than you want to know that are like, we'll get over it. You're doing something. Well, sure, but fuck those people. Yeah, fuck those people. We don't make art for those people. Yeah, that's the thing. I think people see like, oh, you're working on a, a Spider-Man movie. Like, how can you complain about that? As people who have never been in that situation. Right. Like, so, fuck those people. We don't make art for those people. That's like the guy the, from the writer strike who was like, oh, the writer strike will end because they love their jobs too much. <sighs> It's just absolute insanity. It's people, it's, it's an older generation of workers not keeping up with the times that are changing, specifically people who are in power, mm-hmm. who are, have been in the workforce really long time that aren't just, they're not changing with the times. I mean, another good example is HBO and everything yeah. that they're doing. They're not changing with the times. Mm-hmm. They're just still continuing to try to get more and more money and give, it's just, it just, it honestly, it disgusts me. Yeah. Like, it, it grosses me out. The fact that people will exploit the people making you money so much. Mm-hmm. Um, because the they, because people. in their in their perspective, there's, you know, a billion people who want that job. So they exactly. can burn people to the ground because somebody else will take the spot. Yep. There's a really good interview. With, but that movie would be nothing would without be nothing. the animators and the people who developed that system. It would be nothing. Yeah. I, I really loved it. It was really good. And I'm really sad that they are being treated so poorly and people yeah. who cl- obviously loved what they were doing had to leave because they valued themselves more as they should. Yeah. Um, the movie was good. The movie was I didn't like it as much as the first one. I, I agree, but uh, it was the, the first one is high bar. High, high bar. <laughs> it's a real high bar. They did give us some new hotties. Oh, God. Um, Oscar Isaac's Spider-Man 2099. Oof. Wow. Wow. Also, I now understand because I saw a lot of people freaking out about um, Hobie, oh, yeah, Spider Punk before the movie, and I was like, oh, I'm sure he's gonna be really cool. No, he rules. He rules. <laughs> best best character in the movie. <laughs> it's very good. It was really good. Yeah, it was it was a great movie. It was a great time. I am frankly pissed at Sony, yeah. Phil Lord, and Chris Miller for treating the people who make this series special like they have been treating. They them. could never do it without these people. No. And that's what's frustrating. You could never do this without these people. Yeah. Now we see why they lost the Star Wars movie that they were supposed to do. Like, the the fucking around. You know? Like, (sighs) it's infuriating that people, like, that in order to work a creative job like this, you have to be willing to burn yourself out over and over again. It's just, it's bullshit. It is. It's (sighs) It's not, no movie is worth that. No matter how much I enjoyed Across the Spider-Verse or Into the Spider-Verse or any other fucking thing, it's not worth this. Because movies are fake and people are real. Yeah. And people need to be able to live their lives. And like, Hollywood is one of the richest, like, industries. And yeah. It's disgu- it, like, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I, it's just gross. I hate millionaires and billionaires. Yeah. So fuck that. Yeah. The movie's, movie's good. Movie's good. But fuck that, actually. Yeah. Um, 
I watched Charlie's Angels, the 2019 one. It was okay. This movie, so the movie is a sequel-ish to the Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, Cameron Diaz, Charlie's Angels. I didn't like it as much as that one. I'm not surprised. I think the reason is because it was a little too conscious of the um, kind of sexist baggage that comes with the franchise. Now, don't get me wrong. Charlie's Angels, the franchise, You're comes with some sexism. You're hearing it now. Sexist. Missy loves sexism. <laughs> the franchise comes with some sexist baggage, right? Of course. Um, and I'm all for movies addressing the sexist baggage that comes with franchises like that. But 2019 Charlie's Angels, much like um, that one part in the Avengers where all the ladies show up on screen to remind us that there are ladies. Um aspects of oceans eight uh those kinds of when we had that kind of like female reboot era which is interestingly i will not make that criticism of ghostbusters 2016 ghostbusters 2016 spectacular i really like like it's it's kind of a bloated mess it needed a better editor some of those jokes went on too long but overall super enjoyable movie it's fun it's a fun movie um charlie's angels the new one not fun it's not that there was a lot of fun in it i will say I loved Kristen Stewart in this movie. Shout out to Kristen Stewart. She looked like she was having the time of her life. She looked super hot. And she was playing against her usual type, which was really, really fun to see. All of the angels, like the the main three, did a good job. Um, it was the plot of the movie that I struggled with. And the fact that the movie was so, so intent on looking at me in the face and saying, we're feminists now. And I'm like, I get it. Like, you can just do it. You don't have to continuously remind me. Sometimes the reminder makes me doubt you. <laughs> yeah. And there were other elements of the movie, too. Where I was like, well, if you're so feminist, why are you doing that? And I don't remember what it was because I watched this on a plane like three or four weeks ago. <laughs> but <laughs> it and it went on a little too long because it was a comedy, an action comedy. And it's just like, you can't drag that on that long. Um, the movie was enjoyable. It was just like, I want you to do the feminist thing without reminding me that you're doing the feminist thing. I want you to play with my conceptions without telling me you're playing with my conceptions. I want you to just do what you're doing without me like seeing transparently right through it. It makes the story feel, um, unearned to mm-hmm. me it makes the accolade what it didn't have a lot of accolades i think everybody kind of thought this movie was all right um I, it's a good plane movie you know what i mean like perfect for i'm a little tired and i'm on i'm trapped in a tube hurtling through the air like this is the level of engaged i want to be um i was just a little i was a little disappointed with it mostly because like it's a, a the the original, like, t- whatever, 2001 or whatever, Charlie's Angels, is not a feminist masterpiece, mm-hmm. right? But it felt genuine in what it was doing. Like, it it didn't feel like it was trying to pander to me. It felt silly and fun and uh, a little wink nudge in a way that this one felt like it was yelling at me. And... I've, and maybe, you know, some of this is me looking at the original with nostalgia goggles. I have rewatched it fairly recently. Elements of it hold up. Other elements of it don't hold up. That, that's, you know, early 2000s comedies for you, baby. baby. But um, I don't know. I was just a little, I was disappointed with this one and like how intent it was on reminding me about feminism when it was, especially because it was only scratching the surface of feminism. It was just, it was very white feminist, very like, you know. I don't know. It didn't do it for me. Kristen Stewart looked great, though. I think Elizabeth Banks was good, but she she directed it. Um, they're just... I don't know. I don't know. Could have been better. It, it could have been a lot better. And I see why it didn't get a sequel, but I would have liked to see a sequel that like goes a little harder, you know? Yeah. Um, there were some cool ideas in it. It was still fun, but like, woof, with the... <laughs> hitting me over the head with we're feminists the feministic now. they're hitting you over the head with yeah like you don't get that impression with the earlier one and like i think drew barrymore has talked about the fact that like you know there are some elements of that franchise that she would change yeah. now with you know the wisdom of an additional 20 years mm-hmm. but they were trying to make a fun female friendship movie 
And that's the impression that I got from that one, right? Now it's from the early 2000s. It doesn't hit every nail on the head. It does some things that are awkward or bad or whatever. This new one didn't feel like it was trying to make a fun movie. It felt like it was trying to make a capital F feminist movie. Yeah. Missy hates feminism. I hate feminism. No, I just, I don't like it when a movie is moralizing at me. Like it's, it's putting the ideology before the story. Like that's not why we watch movies, right? Um, I, I'm not interested in a film that is primarily interested in checking off the boxes on the feminist checklist. I'm interested in a movie that feels that so deeply that it comes through in the story you regardless. Don't need to, yeah, you don't need to actually address it. Yeah, I, I like you could have told this story in a way that was compelling without continuously looking to the camera and being like, hey, you got that that was feminist, right? Like, just do it. You know, you don't have to. Just like Nike. Yeah, you don't have to like address it. Just do it. If you feel it deeply enough, it's going to come through in the film. Um, but it, it it didn't get there for me. But it wasn't a bad movie. It was enjoyable. Kristen Stewart looks hot in it, if that's your <laughs> thing. Um, she was super fun. I'm glad she got to play against her usual kind of like broody, awkward type. She plays like a um, a wealthy bad girl, <laughs> which is great for her. She's um, dirtbag. Huh? She a dirtbag? Not quite dirtbag, no. but almost dirtbag. So you, you almost got there with the dirtbag. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's enjoyable. It's just not... I wanted it to be better. I wanted it to really, like, leave pop feminism behind and just, like, do the feminism thing rather than trying so hard to be the pop feminism thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do I recommend it? I don't know. If you've got a spare afternoon and you want to see Kristen Stewart look hot, go for it. Um, I watched Fast X or Fast 10, depending on how you want to read it. Can't wait for f- <laughs> Final Fast to X2. <laughs> X squared. Mm-hmm. That's what they should call it. Um, no, Final Fast. Final Fast. 10 2. 10 2. Uh, Final Fast. Final Fast. Final Fast. Fantasy. Yeah, there you go. Where, um, where Vin Diesel's character becomes a pop star. You can just change their clothes. Mm-hmm. And he gains new powers when you put him in a new outfit. I don't know what happened in this movie. <laughs> All I know is it's not as good as... Uh, this is a hot take. Hot, hot, hot take. No yeah, one Yeah, this is with. a spicy one, This Mary. is the spiciest take. No one, Zero people will agree with me. Not as good as the previous one because it didn't go into space. <laughs> I like that they went into space. It was funny. It takes place like a couple years later and the guy, Jason Momoa, plays the son of a character in which is killed by the fast men and... <laughs> Um, how's Charlize Theron's hair in this one? Better. Okay. Still not great. <laughs> um, his father was killed in the one where it's the, the bank heist where they just steal yes, the fucking, the best one. They just steal the safe. Um, and so he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get revenge. And his revenge is absolutely no more, like, does not give a shit, thinks everything is hilarious and is truly like evil. But let me tell you, whoever styled him, Give them an Oscar. Give them an Emmy. Give them a Grammy. I don't know. <laughs> EGOT. Yeah, an EGOT. Give them a Tony. The styling on him was so ostentatious. Pulitzer Prize. Like, it's so, it's like, I could see this, like, if this were more pop, I know they're really popular, but like, in a world, I could see happening where this, his outfit and look becomes the new quintessential, oh, that guy's evil. <laughs> um, he is like, you could probably make that just by looking at, him, but like, he like really just takes it home and he was good in it. And, um, it, but he was real bad. He was real, <laughs> real bad. Um, and yeah, they tried to, to, uh, kill the fast gang and Charlize Theron is like, oh, they tried to kill me too. Help me. And they're like, I guess I have to help you, but I'm going to beat you up a few times. Uh, and now we have a kid. Um, I don't know. And then they're like, we're going to kill your kid. These are serious <laughs> movies for serious people. Um, there's lots of driving. <laughs> um, and then surprise, it's only a first parter. <laughs> I was like, I was like, towards the end, something big was happening with the kid. I'm like, how on earth are they going to, the like, kid was wrap turning into a up? car. It was exactly. crazy. Exactly. How are they going to wrap this up? Like, there's like not much time. I loved in this movie. And that's because there's going to be a second one. You know what? These movies are fun. Are they good? No. Did I love... Is it not enough to see a beautiful face huge? (laughs) I don't think anyone in there is very beautiful. Jason Momoa? Jason Momoa doesn't look great in this and like on purpose. 
Yeah. Because he's like, Jason Momoa is not my type. Sorry for the spice. Like, now there's a spicy take. I think he's pretty hot, but this, in this, he's so evil that I can't, like, he's not just gonna tie someone to the railroad tracks. He's gonna tie him to, like, the railroad tracks that's on a bridge over fire. And then he's gonna, and then he's gonna charter a helicopter to watch it happen and laugh the whole time. Oh my god. Um, at one point there's a big circular bomb just going, I think they're in Italy. Something like that. Just going through the whole town. Just giant, giant, giant <laughs> bomb. And he's like, yes! Go! Roll away! <laughs> Does he have a little mustache he twirls? You know what? Let me look. He doesn't twirl it, but I think he might have a mustache. He should twirl it. Um, He does have a mustache and a beard. Like, like here, this is such a good example of, like, the styling <laughs> is so good. Yeah. the style. He's just so evil and, like, wasn't, like he's just... Evil He's great. giving Bond villain. Yeah, look at this. Yeah, Wild West He's Bond having, villain. He's having, in that outfit, he's having conversation with a bunch of dead people. <laughs> and, like, it's a wild conversation. And he really made the movie for me. Like, the movies are fine, and I like them. Um, but, like, his styling, his character was so fucked up uh, in a way that was just fun to watch. Um, and I enjoyed him. Nice. Yeah. And the last thing I have, I watched last night with my husband because I, I told him I hadn't seen it and he stared at me agape and just turned it on. <laughs> um, Starship, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. I didn't know much about this movie. I had always thought it was like a parody of sci-fi. It's not. Oh, sure. It's wild, but it's not. Um, essentially in this movie, I, you find it starts out like there's, a war, but there's not a war. They're like trying to attack these aliens called bugs and the bugs are attacking them up allegedly. And you either like a ton of people go into the, into the military and they're like pilots or, um, military intelligence, uh, and, um, like fighters, mobile something, MI something. Um, those are the three, three ones you see mostly, um, where he's just running around fighting. It's about this guy. He's too dumb to do anything else. And so he goes into become a warrior. And uh, first he's not very good at it. And then he gets better because his whole family dies. And he's in love with, um, what's her name? She's on Real Housewives. She was in Wild Things. Denise, Denise Richards. Richards. Yeah. He's in love with Denise Richards, who just looks really hot in this movie. Just really hot. Um uh, James Bond star Denise Richards. Yeah, <laughs> she's so bad. Um, she plays a pilot, and still you're like, I don't think you know how to fly a plane. Uh, not because how she looks, but like she's just she's just an airhead, like in real life. And I think it comes through in her acting. Um, and then Neil Patrick Harris is also in it. And <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, he plays like like almost literally in a Nazi outfit. Um, and he it's like he can like read minds. I don't know. You find out. Like, they think the bugs are just bugs and, and like, not sentient beings. I'm like, they're literally causing a war against you? <laughs> like, what did you, what do you think is happening? And, uh, I'm not gonna say too much because I think it was really interesting. I liked it. I think it's more interesting to talk about than I, than I really liked it. It is wild. It is ridiculous and wild. But my husband was like, it's a satire. And I was like, it doesn't feel like a satire because I thought it was a satire on fantasy or, um, sci-fi. And I looked it up. I'm like, it's not. It's not. It is a. It is a satire on like the military. Mm. And when you look at that, where you're like, oh shit, that's why. Like, I'm asking these questions. Like, what did the bugs do? Or that's kind of fucked up. They're doing that. Or like, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. Or like, this seems like propaganda. Um, it is. It's because it is supposed to. Um, and I think that's really interesting, and makes me want to rewatch RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I didn't realize that. My husband's like, it's whatever the the, the director. He's like, it's like so-and-so. How did you not know? I'm like, I don't watch those movies. Is this the one that that gif of that, it zooms in on the person with like a helmet on and it goes, I'm doing my part. Is that what this is from? Uh-uh. Oh. That's what I thought it was. That's, I think, why I thought it was that. I don't think <laughs> it is. is that from? <laughs> I don't Google think it. it. Yeah, Google it. Because I could be wrong, but I don't think it is. Oh, no, it might be. It might be the little, the little he's not in a helmet, though. It was like a, I think it's a lady. Oh. There's one where, like, there's a little kid. He's like, and I'm helping. And then everyone's like, haha. And, like, there's, like, scenes where, um, that makes so much more sense now where they're like, the, 
military is with a bunch of kids and they're like, ha ha, hold a gun. And then the kids are like, me first fighting over this gun. And you're kind of like, that's weird. Oh, no, it is from it's, Starship Troopers. What is this? Do you have a picture of the scene? It's from a military recruitment oh, film within yes, Starship Troopers. Yes, I, I remember that now. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, I think, Missy, you'll feel the same way about uh, that I do. It was good. I didn't love it, but it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot, like, it'd be interesting to do an episode on just because I think it'd be really interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard good things about it, but I yeah. haven't seen it. It's good. I like it. I, I wouldn't necessarily watch it again for, like, the movie, like, for, sure. like, what it is. Well, I guess it is satire, but for, like, at a face value. Yeah. But I wouldn't watch it again in the way where, like, I'm analyzing more, like, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, the actual, like, Nazi uniform almost that Neil Patrick Harris is wearing mm-hmm. and how he's, like, so willing to, like, send people into danger um, because he sees them as less than. Sure. So. It's, it's, it's good. Nice. That's it. Well, that's it for this episode. You can find us online at fakegirlscast.com, which has all of our previous episodes. Uh, based on this one, you should check out the episode on Midsommar. Yeah. <laughs> did we do an episode on... No, we didn't do one on Into the Spider-Verse, but we did talk about it quite a bit, I think, in our crossover episode so. about the Dragon Prince. I, I can't... I cannot remember that. Maybe we that. did a crossover episode and an episode on the Dragon Prince. I don't remember. I, don't, I think we did do an episode on the Dragon Prince. It was so long ago. Like two million years ago. Um, you should check out the, ep- the episode on Midsommar. That's a good one. Uh, thank you to Emily June for working on our episode transcripts. If you like us, consider checking out our Patreon, patreon.com slash fakegeekgirls or clicking the link in our show notes. A little donation per episode goes a long way towards paying web hosting, which is $500. I pay for two years at a time. Oh, but still $500. We're on the hook for another two years because I paid 500 fucking dollars. That's wild. So I would have helped with that. If oh, that's me. well, I keep all the money. I guess that's true. So still. <laughs> what, what you don't know is that none of this money goes to Mary. It all goes to me. Well, Missy does like most of the work. So. Because I sit on a fat pile of cash. Yeah, all that money while raking it. I in. turn it into gold coins and I just sit on it. Um, none of that is true. Uh, like next dragon. I am a dragon. Next time we're going to be talking about interview with the vampire. I'm stoked. I'm jazzed. It's a good book. It's good. I, I think watch everything else. I thought I had read it. I don't think I did. I don't think I ever read it. Maybe you read something similar. Well, I did read one of her other books. Mm. Not the, not the spanking one. If you want to know what that's about, you can subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, d- I don't think I ever read it. I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I yeah. really enjoyed it. I'm about halfway through, and it, 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 it's, it is really it's good. It's good. Actually. I didn't think that I would like it, because I had this idea of, like, her being a really, like, like florally. She is, but, like, but in a really, like... It's effective. It's Well, and it's, and it's, like, accessible to me. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if I were, like, read it, read it, it wouldn't be as easy, but, like, listening to it, it doesn't... I don't, like... It's not one where I have to, like, really pay attention. You're not, like, get to the point, Louis. Yeah. It, everything matters. Yeah. And and it's it's really, I think it's really accessible. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm excited to talk more about that one. And that's it. Oh, all right. Catch you on the flip side.